Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello everyone. Welcome to another week of spiritual shit and we have an incredible guest on our show today. (laughs) Her name is Mel Robbins. You may have heard of her. And I'm so excited and honored, uh, number one, just to be in her presence. She's such a motivating and authentic person. Um, But I have a story to tell you about how our interview went (laughs) and how it's just so fitting uh, for when when we talk about manifestation and, you know, thinking about how things are gonna happen in our life. Um, I have been so excited to have this interview. And if anything, it it had become kind of like this beacon of something that I had manifested of being able to get on uh, larger and larger guests and make bigger and bigger impact. And I was just so excited to see, um, you know, this email come through that Mel Robbins wanted to be on my show. And, you know, whether or not she wanted to be and whether or not it was her PR team, it didn't matter. I was so excited. And, you know, in order to get on the books, it took about three, four months out of scheduling. And so I patiently waited for this opportunity that I was just so excited about. And I prepared and I read her book and watched all the videos that I could watch and all the interviews and took in all the information. And I thought, I'm going to ace this interview. This is going to be the best one I've ever done. And it just so happens life happened (laughs) and, um, We had some scheduling issue with time zones, uh, miscommunication, and uh, Mel was ready for the interview about an hour earlier than I was. And uh, given like my my childcare schedule and all that kind of stuff, it was smack after Veda had woken up from her nap, (laughs) Uh, which she was very hungry and ready to play and, you know, all of those things. And I caught myself kind of in this, this crossfire moment of oh my God, what do I do? Like, this is something that I've been kind of anticipating and waiting for and putting a lot of expectations up for. Um, And you guys already know, like we we always say, let go of the expectation on the show. Um, Still guilty of that. And I sit there and I'm thinking, you know, I I have to, I have to go with this. Like, I don't want to, uh, one, waste Mel's time, but also two, you know, ruin this shot, basically, this opportunity. And so uh, we do this interview with Veda sitting there for uh, all of 40 minutes. (laughs) And it was something that um, really jarred me because I'm sitting here trying to do uh, an interview in very unplanned circumstances without the proper preparation in the moment and then having to take care of my kid at the same time while I'm working. And for some of you, you quite know what that's like. And so 
we, you know, trying to toggle back and forth with a seven month old and then have still uh, the attention span and the intention to be able to give a really good, um, you know, interview and be able to ask Mel these really amazing questions and also to just be able to listen and soak her in uh, was such a challenge. And it was, and I, the reason I'm telling you all this beforehand is just so you can get some context while what's going on while we're in the interview, because I'm hearing my daughter work on something of the poop variety. <laughs> so you can hear her, you know, through a big chunk of things that I'm saying all the while trying to keep my composure and my thought process about what questions I'd like to ask. It, it was quite the juggle. And after I finished the interview, And I was trying so hard not to do this because during, actually, that's what happened. During the interview, I kept thinking, I blew it. I blew it. Oh, man. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, she's never going to want to be on my show again, or she's not going to refer her friends to be on my show, or other people will watch this and see that I didn't have my shit together. I messed up on my schedule, or um, I'm not a good mom. Or, you know, like all of those things. And and immediately that imposter syndrome started to raise up while I'm in the middle of this. And I'm just, I'm telling you guys this just to be completely authentic, as always on the show. That in the moment of, of what I thought was going to be the best interview I've ever done. <laughs> uh, I have gone through circumstances that I have never had to, to do during an interview. And... I haven't come to the conclusion yet because I'm actually recording this right after we got finished doing the interview, but I thought it would be most important that you got the most raw version of what I was feeling. But this process of when we're in the wanting to manifest something in our life and we consider it an opportunity, we just, we don't know how it's going to happen. And then when it presents itself, it may look very differently than what we think it is. And so this is why uh, we talk so much about neutrality, why we talk so much, and I'm talking to myself here, but of letting go of your expectation of the outcome. And, you know, in some ways, I'm sure in a couple months, I'll come to the conclusion that this was as best as it could have ever happened. And look at all the things that sprouted out of this. And I'm so proud of myself or, you know, whatever, I'll come to that conclusion at some point. But in this moment, feeling that, that, that feeling of I failed or you know, I messed up. The circumstances were out of my control. Like this is, you know, out of Mel's control. (laughs) And she was very gracious through the whole process. So Mel, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for being such a gracious guest. But in the moment, I noticed I had an opportunity to get to see where I still need to work on myself and um, areas where I'm, I'm I'm needing to level up or had an opportunity today to level up and come to a space and, and see that, wow, there's still some messaging underneath in my subconscious that still thinks I'm not worthy, that still thinks that um, people are going to perceive me a certain way, or um, they're going to listen and hear my kid, you know, crying in the background and think I'm a terrible mom, or all of those fears that we have. And and all of them, all at once, come to a head <laughs> in, in a single interview. So I, I don't believe that there are any mistakes or accidents. And at some point I'll come to the realization that that is exactly how it had, it had to happen. But I just extend this to you, you know, for you to witness it <laughs> and a place where you can give yourself grace when it's necessary. Um, I'm having to do that right now and recognize that 
it's it's okay to not have everything perfect, especially when it comes to audio. Even though I'm misophonic, <laughs> listening back to this, I was just so horrified. But ultimately, that that I think the universe gives us lessons exactly when we need them. And in fact, um, I know that at least in, in on this show, uh, the universe often gives me lessons very publicly. <laughs> and uh, in the midst of a show or a thought process or something like that. So that way I can extend that to you. And I hope that in this process of something that felt very difficult for me, I mean, I cried for an hour after we were done because all of my nerves and built up feelings and all that kind of came to a head. But I hope that, you know, you recognize in, in my situation that, you know, things that happen in your life, the same, that you would give yourself that grace, that you would not use that as an excuse or a reason to opt out and give yourself the courage to cheer yourself on despite the circumstances that you see in front of you. So, um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to one, have the show and, and then have beautiful, wonderful, amazing, impactful guests come on. So that way we can always bring wonderful content to you and hopefully impact your lives in a really big way. That is my hope. That is my wish. That is my intention uh, for all that I do here. And I know that you guys aren't going to care. Like, I know that you're going to listen to this and be like, yep, I know what that's like. But I know for me, it's a hurdle of perfectionism and, and me telling myself that having a perfect sounding podcast is what's going to make me worthy. And just knowing that's just not the truth. So anyway, with that, I extend to you the most amazing Mel Robbins. Let's get into the episode right now. Mel Robbins is one of the leading voices in personal development and transformation, an international best-selling author. Her work includes The Global Phenomenon, The Five-Second Rule, The High-Five Habit, four number one best-selling audiobooks, the number one podcast on Audible, as well as her signature online courses that have changed the lives of more than half a million students worldwide. Videos from past interviews consistently go viral because she always brings science-backed wisdom, deeply personal and relatable stories, and a tremendous amount of passion to every conversation. In her bestseller, The Five-Second Rule, Mel Robbins has taught millions of people around the world the five-second secret to motivation, and now she's back with another simple, proven tool that you can use to take control of your life, the high-five habit. That first high-five morphed into a year-long research project about the power of high-fiving yourself forward in more than a dozen surprising ways. The high-five habit is more than just a powerful action. It's a holistic approach to a life that changes your confidence, your mindset, and your behavior. Her groundbreaking work on behavioral change has been translated into 36 languages and is used by healthcare professionals, veterans, organizations, and the world's leading brands to inspire people to become more confident, effective, and fulfilled. As one of the most widely booked and followed public speakers in the world, Mel coaches more than 60 million people online every month, and videos featuring her work have more than a billion views online, including her TED Talk, which is one of the most popular of all time. There's nothing Mel loves more than making a real difference in people's lives by teaching them to believe in themselves and inspiring them to take actions that will change their lives. Please welcome Mel Robbins to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have the incredible Mel Robbins, speaker, writer, motivational, extraordinaire, 
and a fellow Midwesterner. How you doing, Mel? <laughs> I'm good. And I'm also ready for some spiritual shit. So let's yeah. go. <laughs> Best title ever. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're so excited to talk to you today because you have just come out with this fantastic book, The High Five Habit, <laughs> uh, Taking Control of Your Life with One Simple Habit. And it is it is something so interesting and also so fitting. Veda is with us today and uh, my daughter. And something before I started listening to the book, um, I've been doing this thing with her where I'll go high five, high five, you know, to help with her with her motor skills. But I used to go up to her and just high five, high five since she was about two months old to help her practice with that, that motion. And then upon her uh, connecting with my hand, her like kind of shaking her hand and going, yay, you know, so she already has this association with the high five. And so it's really fitting that then when I read your book that you talk about how we think about the high five and how it's, you know, it's essentially like ingrained in our brains. This is an encouraging supportive moment of, you know, partnership and connection with another person. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but before then, um, I would love to hear your story and what makes Mel Robbins, Mel Robbins, how did you get to the space where you've overcome an insurmountable amount of things and come to a place where you're able to encourage the world? Oh, and I'm so glad your daughter's here. (laughs) No, I mean it. I really do. Um, Especially as a mother of three kids, the time that you have with her is going to just fly by. And so having her here is really, really awesome. It's a hard question to answer, right? Like, how did I end up at the age of 53 living the life that I've lived? And I'm sure that every one of you listening, especially since you're listening to a podcast entitled Spiritual Shit, believes that you are on a spiritual journey. And there is no question that, you know, when I think about my life, for the majority of my life, I really struggled. I experienced, like everybody does, childhood trauma, uh, being the victim of um, another kid molesting me when I was in the ninth, when I was nine years old. And I didn't understand until decades later, and I'm talking the age of probably 48 or 49, the profound impact that that one incident had on the trajectory of my life and how a dysregulated nervous system and stored stored trauma led to a lifetime of living with anxiety. And, you know, it's interesting because when I think of the word spirituality, I often think that spirituality is not only this sense of being connected to something larger than yourself, But spirituality for me is also the journey of returning home to yourself. And I am 53 years old. And I think that I have been trying to return home for a very long time. And oftentimes when you get this sense that something's missing, or you have this feeling of being profoundly stuck, or you're not quite sure what your purpose is. And so you can feel like really lost. I have felt lost for decades. And what I can tell you is that you got to feel lost before you find yourself again. And that, you know, having your daughter here is really incredible because she 
is seven months old and she came into this world, perfect, whole, complete, beautiful, amazing, and hardwired for love and curiosity and growth. And we all did. And you're going to do an extraordinary job as a parent raising her. And life is still going to do things that aren't fair or awesome. She'll experience heartbreak. She'll experience self-doubt and imposter syndrome. She'll experience discrimination and, you know, all kinds of things. And it's unavoidable. And I feel that that pull that we all feel as we are drawn toward people or drawn toward expansive experiences is really the pull to return back to your true nature. And so I think that, you know, part of what I believe all of the suffering that I've done in life uh, has a purpose and it's helped me profoundly understand a lot of things that, that people struggle with, whether it's anxiety or bankruptcy or self-doubt or trauma, or uh, just my husband of 25 years has been struggling with uh, long-term depression. I think these struggles have equipped me to be able to be a light on the path for other people that are facing those same struggles on their journey back home to themselves. Wow. <laughs> way, for, way to go for an intro. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I think that that's really beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing. Um, but more importantly, your book, the high five habit, where did you come up with this idea of like, I'm going to high five myself in the mirror and like, you know, that's going to really do something for me. That's really going to impact something for me. Well, I appreciate what's implied in your question, which is that I intentionally set out to do it, which means I like had a plan you know, I discovered it by accident. And in my work, I believe that this is the most profound tool that I have ever discovered. And it has had a transformational impact on not only my spirituality and a deeper connection to self and to something larger, but it has changed the way that I treat myself. And, you know, I think that that's been the biggest insight. And, you know, what's interesting is we're going to talk about these concepts and on their, their surface, they're going to seem really trite or super simple. But the fact is that your relationship with yourself is the foundation for your experience in life. How you treat yourself is the foundation for how you are willing to be treated. And it is so universal, it is so foundational that I think we've all stepped over the most obvious thing that you could do in order to improve your life. And that is to treat yourself with kindness, to give yourself the support and the encouragement that you deserve, and to break the habit of incessantly beating yourself up, focusing on what's wrong and hammering every little thing that you do. And, you know, I discovered the high five habit at a moment where I was really just beaten down. And it's a feeling that everybody can relate to, you know, this feeling like nothing is going your way, this feeling like that no matter what you do, you can't gain traction, that everybody else seems to have it all figured out, but you don't, and that your to-do list or that the challenges in your life are so overwhelming 
that you don't know how the hell you're going to get through it. And so I found myself one morning, um, having been fired from my dream job, which was uh, as a daytime talk show host, we were in the middle of the pandemic. Um, my speaking business was in a free fall. And I found myself feeling like I didn't have it in me to reinvent myself yet again. I did not have it in me to help my kids who were struggling with anxiety and grief and anger about college getting canceled. I didn't have it in me to support them. I didn't have it in me to figure out how I was going to make payroll. I didn't have it in me to support my husband who was struggling with depression. And, you know, I'm standing there in the bathroom, beating myself up. Why did I get up so late? I, I didn't respond to Aaliyah's text. I, I have eight minutes to get ready for this Zoom call. And when you start beating yourself up, which is a habit that we all have, your attitude goes negative and you just continue to focus on what's not working. And that doesn't help you in life. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't make you successful. It makes it harder to do the things that you need to do. It makes it impossible to be present. And I don't know what came over me. I honestly think it was divine intervention because the story is so stupid on its face that it doesn't feel like it could be anything else. But I literally saw this woman in the mirror who looked exhausted and beaten up and she looked like she needed a high five. It's as simple as that. And as cheesy and as dumb as it sounds, because this sounds like some dumb shit. Let me tell you, I just raised my hand and I gave the woman I saw in the mirror a high five. And, you know, it's not like that was the spiritual moment when the clouds parted and, you know, the angels sang. That's not what happened at all. What happened is I felt my shoulders drop and I laughed out loud and I felt my mood shift. Now, I didn't understand the science of why that was all happening. I just thought I was laughing because the idea of high-fiving yourself in the mirror is profoundly cheesy, right? But now what I understand, and you already explained this so beautifully, you know, when you go high-five, high-five, high-five to your daughter, you are encouraging her, you see her, you're celebrating her. It's an act of love. And what's so cool about adding a high-five to your morning routine, is that all the programming and the neurological and physiological benefit that you gain from adding a high five to your morning routine, it's already programmed inside your mind, body, and spirit. And so you are leveraging all of this incredible impact to your mood, to your psychology, to your motivation, to your connection to self, that's already in your body. And it's simply by standing in front of the mirror and taking a moment to be with yourself. It's a deeply spiritual experience. If you really slow it down, you're racing so quickly through your life that you're not even present to the human being that you go through life with. It's an act of joining in with yourself when you stand there and you look at yourself. And, you know, we've done some research with our, you know, millions of followers 50% of people actually don't or can't look in the mirror yeah. because they don't like the person they see. 91% of women do not like their appearance. And every single human being has a habit when you stand in front of the mirror of picking themselves apart and focusing on what they don't like. And 
that is a habit that carries through your whole day. If you want to know why you struggle with insecurity, it's because you started your day by pointing out what's wrong with you. If you want to know why you're a people pleaser, it's because you're looking for external validation because you have trashed yourself first thing in the morning. And I want everybody on the planet to understand if you simply take a moment every morning, this is some deeply spiritual shit, let me tell you, and you stand with yourself and you see yourself as you are today, and then you raise your hand just like you do with your daughter and you join in support of yourself and take a moment for yourself, your whole life will change. Your whole life will change because you are treating yourself differently. Your whole life will change because you're fulfilling your fundamental needs. Your whole life will change because you feel empowered and you start your day differently. And that changes your brain chemistry. It's just extraordinary. So that's so magical because I feel very much right now that I need to give myself a high five. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to give you a high five too, because, you know, when, when as working moms, right, like you got to have this sort of grace, which you do of being able to roll with what is and not make yourself wrong. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here going, and for those of you who don't know, um, like I'm, my daughter is with me right now, if you cannot hear her. Huh. And it's like, I'm thinking this is the biggest interview I've had on the show. I'm so excited. But I'm having this, these moments of like imposter syndrome of like, oh man, like this, the one time, you know, I want to be super professional. I want to do this. I want to do that. And having this, this immediate feeling of tear down, you know, like that moment yes. that we all feel. And maybe in fact, it happened this way. So people could experience that and see like life doesn't always go perfectly. You know, I actually think it's perfect. And let me tell you why. There is a level in your own transformation and spiritual growth that's going to require you to see yourself differently. Mm -hmm. If, you know, there are probably, who's somebody that you admire, you believe is like a, like a crazy celebrity? You. <laughs> and, and what about Oprah? Yeah, Oprah. Okay. So let's say that Oprah's dogs came running into her interview as she's interviewing, I don't know, Harry and Meghan, she wouldn't even flinch. And there is, I realized that this didn't go the way that it went. And for you listening, so you understand, we had a time zone issue. I don't know if my team dropped the ball. I don't know if there was just an email that was fine. Whatever. <laughs> we just had a disconnect by about an hour. And so we're doing this an hour earlier than you had prepared for, which meant your daughter was awake. Mm -hmm. And so we're rolling with it. And I think what's so important about this everyday life example, everyone, is because this is what I'm talking about. When life doesn't go according to how you want it to go, do you have a habit of trashing yourself and letting your mind go negative? Or as you ride the ups and downs, do you have the ability to support yourself, encourage yourself, stay in the lane that is spiritual, positive, and optimistic? Because it is so easy to do the negative. What we've been doing our whole lives is hyper-focusing on what's going wrong. What we've been doing our whole lives is criticizing ourselves. And I want everybody to absolutely 
invert this. I want you to focus on all the things that are going right. Number one, you have a podcast. Number two, you have a beautiful daughter. Number three, you're rolling with it <laughs> and you are a pro. Oprah would be proud. I am proud of you. This is a level up moment for every one of you listening that feels like, you know, you can't make headway because you're taking care of other people. Beating yourself up all day long isn't going to help you gain momentum. It's not going to help you level up. It's not going to help you have a sense of grace in your life. Hmm. You're, you're watching Aaliyah's example as she has the biggest interview that she's super excited about. You know, our timing is screwed up. Her daughter is with us and she's proceeding because she's a force. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's your, uh, that is your choice every day, everybody. Hmm. Are you going to go through life and pound yourself for any tiny thing that doesn't go according to plan? Or are you going to give yourself grace and encouragement, the high five that you need mm -hmm. as you navigate everything in real time? Beautiful. What are you getting from this conversation? Mm, beautiful. Thank you. I just, let me, let me go into that because like there's, there are so many things about this book that I found, especially when you're talking about Eduardo, <laughs> um, and people, once they read, they'll know what we're talking about. Um, there's a quote actually that I'd like, this, this was my favorite. Like I read this and I was like, I, it rung in my ears and it said, the point isn't to get things when you want them. It is to allow those things to want, you want to pull you forward through your fears, doubt, and resignation. Your dreams teach you how to believe in something greater. They teach you how to believe in yourself and the ability to make anything happen. So trust that trust in yourself and your ability to rise to the challenge, cheer yourself forward and take care of yourself along the way. And every morning you stand face to face with yourself, just a moment to smile, knowing that at some point in this beautiful life of yours, it will all make perfect and even magical sense. As you raise your hand to your reflection without uttering a word, say, I believe in you. I love you. Now keep going because something amazing is coming. Now that quote, like when you read it, I was listening on audible and I love the, your audibles because it does sound like you're just sitting right next to me. I feel like I know you already. And in that moment, I was like, stop, stop the book, stop the book. I need to go back and like read this part again. And, and I think that's what people struggle with the most in their process and their progress with their spirituality, with their job and their things that they want to happen in their life. But to be in that space of, of understanding and not counting yourself out because it hasn't happened according to your timeline. We talk so much about manifestation on this show. And a lot of times what happens is people look at their timeline and look at other people's lives and they go, okay, this is happening in their life. I guess it'll never happen for me. You know, we, we count ourselves out. So talk to us about, I love your manifestation story. It made me cry when you talked about the painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is like, just to preface this, this is such a good example of when you're putting your desires forward and what it is that you want to happen in your life, when you want to set your desires forward, not looking at according to this particular timeline. Yes. She wants to talk to you too. Go ahead. I love her. <laughs> yeah. So tell us your, your manifestation story. Um, you know, so just a couple things about what you said, you know, manifesting is an incredibly important tool in your spiritual toolkit. And I believe most of us are manifesting incorrectly. There's a lot that science has to say about how to manifest. And I'm gonna start with a definition of what manifesting is. 
So manifesting according to science is when you train your mind, body, and spirit to align with and help you get what you want. And the reason why manifesting when done properly is a powerful tool is because by training your mind, body, and spirit to help you do the work to get what you want, you actually remove the kind of imposter syndrome, the resistance, all that stuff that gets in your way of taking action. And the story that you're referring to is a story about a painting. And, you know, I was 21 years old. I walked into a restaurant on my birthday in New Hampshire, of all places. And it was right by the college I went to. And I had this experience where I saw this piece of art on a wall. It was the first time that I ever got lost in a piece of art. And there's an important lesson when you get lost in something, whether it's a person or a place or an object or a home or a, 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 a song that you're writing, you can only find yourself in a state of flow when you have a deeply spiritual connection with something. You are drawn toward things that are meant for you. And it's important to pay attention to that. And so for whatever reason, here I am 21 years old, I see this piece of art, it was a big landscape painting. And I was no longer in the restaurant, I was literally standing in this field, I could hear the geese flying over the mountains were in the background, the breeze was blowing on my skin, I could just feel it. And then all of a sudden, I kind of came back to reality. And I heard myself say not in my head, but like in the center of my chest, someday, I will own this painting. And I leaned forward and it was several thousand dollars. And I'm like, not today. And so this would have been 1990 when this happened. And the long and the short of it is for whatever reason. And I think that the reason why I so deeply believed that that painting could be mine is because I had a physical experience of feeling that painting in my body and manifesting done properly works the same way as trauma. If trauma sears itself into your nervous system and into your brain so that you remember the trauma and can protect yourself from similar situations in the future, manifesting done properly sears an experience or something that you want into your mind and body so that you can recognize when you're around things that can help you get it. And so I went on with my life and like six or seven years go by, I meet my husband and I tell him about the painting and we end up going up to Vermont and we stop by the place where the painting was. And it was certain it was gone. And the interesting thing though, is that I wasn't surprised that it was gone, but I also felt like, oh, okay, I got you. This is now a quest. I'm now going to have to hunt this thing down. Like this is my version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I got it. Like I didn't stop believing because I allowed myself to feel not even the painting, but now feeling the quest feeling myself looking for it years from now, feeling myself holding out hope, feeling myself making money and putting it away, feeling myself setting the intention, feeling myself holding the space for it. And so I kept thinking about and feeling the steps to get it. 
And the long and the short of it is um, when I turned 30, my husband asked a bunch of people to pool some money together. I was pregnant with our first of three. And my husband said these magic words, here's, you know, $500. You can buy anything you want. Now, Leah, we needed a crib. We needed stools for our kitchen counter. We did not need a painting. And by the way, $500 would not have bought this painting because it was like the size of a doorway. And it was thousands of dollars years ago. But for whatever reason, because I had been manifesting properly, my spirit was like, oh, money, you can buy whatever you want. Call that place and see if the, see if they can get you a, a painting by this author that'll get you or this painter. So I call and I explain to them that, you know, I have this money and that I wanted to buy a small piece. And I said, by the way, there was this painting you had years ago. And the person said, I don't remember the painting, but I bet the artist does. And they connected me with the artist. So I call the artist and each one of these actions taking me one step closer, right? And so I tell this artist that I've been given this money. I've loved her work for a decade, blah, 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 blah. And I say, by the way, there was this one painting years ago and I described it. And she paused and said, I'm not quite sure which one you mean. I've done a lot of paintings in my career. And I say, okay. And she recommends we meet at the mill. So fast forward, we meet at the mill. We walk around the mill. She's showing me all the other landscape paintings that she has. Now I'm starting to freak out because I realize I can't afford any of these. I am eight months pregnant. What on earth am I doing here? Talk about an imposter. She has shown up because she thinks I have thousands and thousands of dollars probably to spend. Like I am screwed. This is going to be embarrassing when I sit down and say I can't afford any of these. And so when we sit down for lunch, she turns to me and says, now that we're sitting down, I have something to tell you. She said, when you called me, I knew exactly what painting you were talking about. And her husband was sitting next to her and said, you should have seen her, Mel. You, you would have thought she had seen a ghost. And she said, there have been two times in my career as an artist that I have done two studies of the same scene at the same time. And that painting that you saw all those years ago was one of them. It's one of a pair. And the sister piece to the piece that you saw is sitting in my studio right now, two miles from here, where it has been sitting in storage for the last 11 years. I start sobbing. She starts sobbing. We drive to the mill or to her studio and there in the center of it on an easel on a piece of plywood painted, you know, taped up with painter's paint was the sister painting. And there were small differences. This one had a little less movement in the grass and there weren't geese flying over, but it was the most profound spiritual experience of my life because it's as though time collapsed. And I was standing in that restaurant as a 21 year old woman saying, this is going to be mine. And now I was standing there a decade later before it. And then I realized, holy shit, I can't afford this. And I turned to my husband and said, you don't ever have to buy me anything. 
I don't, I don't need jewelry. I don't need fancy trips. I don't need anything, but promise me you will buy me that painting. And he yelled out, hey, Gail, how much for the big one? And she said, well, for Mel, she can have it for $500. Because clearly when I was painting it 11 years ago, I was making it for her. And it's this, you know, so we roll it up, we bring it up. I couldn't even afford to frame it for a year. And it now hangs in my kitchen. And it is evidence that you can create anything in your life. You have to believe it and you have to walk toward it. And you may not get that thing that you want today or this year or five years or 10 years from now. And honestly, the point actually isn't to get those things. I think spirituality is a back and forth. It's both hearing the calling and it's having the courage and the clarity to walk toward it. And eventually you get absolutely everything that you believe you will get and that you're willing to work toward. It's just not going to present itself or look the way that you thought it would. I, I get choked up upon the story because you weren't scheming, you know, like you weren't counting down, you weren't obsessing, like all this time had walked by and it had walked back into your life. And that is the magic of the manifestation of that trust. When you asserted yourself into that space of being and saying, this is to be mine. This will be mine one day. Like what an insane story. What you want to hear something even more powerful? Cause yes. you just said, walk back into your life. When you manifest properly, it is in your life because manifesting properly is not about visualizing the painting. It's about visualizing yourself doing the work to walk toward it. And you have to visualize the bridge, the steps you're going to take, the late nights, the hard work, the not giving up, the number of no's, the time that your daughter wakes up from her nap and you're, you know, the guest you really wanted shows up an hour early and you keep going forward. And then you manifest and visualize yourself editing the episode. And then you manifest and visualize yourself feeling so proud that you kept going forward and you rolled with it. And then you visualize people writing to you about a difference that it made that your daughter was in the background because they could relate to that. And so you visualize the ups, the downs, the years that go by, the hard work, because what happens when you mentally rehearse it and you feel it in your mind and your body is that you remove the doubt and the nerves that come and block you from doing the work. Your brain is really interesting. Your brain does not know the difference between you actually in real life doing the work or you visualizing and imagining the work. And so it's a way to mentally rehearse and to prepare mentally. There's a lot of science around this. The, the, U, the US Olympic team, for example, has nine full-time sports psychologists when we're you know, going into the Olympics, five of which work with the US ski and snowboard team in this past Olympics. And they use this kind of training. They call it mentally rehearsing. 
where if you're, for example, a snowboarder, which I'm not, but I can kind of imagine what it would be like, you know, you got to mentally rehearse, you go up the lift. Now you rehearse getting off the lifts. Now you feel the crunch, crunch, crunch of the snow. You feel the wind. You feel yourself kind of adjusting your helmet. You feel yourself putting the snowboard down. You feel yourself hopping toward the gate. You feel what it feels like to hear your name be announced. You feel yourself going through the gate. You feel each and every twist and turn of that, that snowboard you know what I mean? Twisting and turning. It's only a 10 second flip, but you rehearse every single move in your mind. Why? And why is this effective? This type of mental rehearsing prepares your mind, body, and spirit to do the work. And because your mind doesn't know the difference between when you actually flipped in the air and when you imagined each and every detail, the sight, the sound, the smell, the feel, it makes you better prepared to do the work. Right. And so the reason why I was able to believe that it would be mine is because by manifesting and thinking about someday it will be, and I can see myself tracking it down and I can see myself working hard and I can see myself carving off 20 bucks a month into a little fund, into an envelope. I can feel myself pulling the drawer out under my desk because it's my secret little stash for the painting I'm gonna buy someday. All those little things keep the painting present in your life. It keeps your dreams and your goals and your desires present in your day to day. And it removes all of the bullshit that normally stops you going, well, I'm never going to find it. Yeah. I can't like, what difference is $20 a month going to make? Yeah. Like, I, you know, da, 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 do, 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 do. like all that crap that comes in that blocks you from taking action. So the real beauty of manifesting is it's not about dreaming about something and drawing it to you. It's about preparing your mind, body, and spirit to help you do the work. It's about keeping this dream present in your life, which allows you to lean toward it. And it builds over time because as you start to do the work, you only believe more and more that it's coming to you if you keep going toward it. Right. So I have a two part question to that because one, you talk about the reticular activating system. Is that right? Did I say right? Mm -hmm. um, and how your brain starts to recognize those things. Like for you, it was the painting. So every time you had something that's, uh, you know, money come in or whatever, something to reinforce to make your attention go, this is something that I want to call into my life. But there's something very interesting about how you say that manifestation or people tend to manifest very wrongly because they'll manifest the end result. And they'll go to the, which is very controversial to the old school law of attraction, but I'm totally in alignment with you there because, uh, instead of imagining yourself at the end of a marathon, imagine you, I love that you said at uh, mile 13, that your earbuds have gone out and you don't have any music for the rest of your run. Talk to us about that. Yeah, of course. And so, you know, the mistake that we all make, and I used to make this too, because I love vision boards. I love envisioning where I'm going, especially as a way to escape where I am. And so, yeah, I'll slap the beach house on the vision board. I'll slap the finish line of the marathon on the vision board. We've all done it where we've put our beach body up there or the million dollars in the bank or the car we want to drive. And that's great. You have to have dreams and goals. Dreams and goals act like a beacon that will plant a mile marker in the future to draw you forward. That's important. 
But manifesting is not dreaming about that thing. Mm -hmm. Because if all you do is wish and dream and hope that you're going to get the thing that's on the vision board, what research shows is it's actually very demoralizing to have a vision board with all these big things on it. Because over time, as you do nothing to achieve it, you feel demotivated, discouraged, and defeated sitting in your studio apartment, staring at a beachfront ocean mansion. Mm-hmm. Manifesting properly is not about the end. It's about the bridge between where you are and where you want to go. Manifesting prepares you to do the work. And so to use the analogy of a marathon or a road race, you know, if you want to check off on your bucket list, uh, running a marathon, 26.2 miles, do not visualize the end. Don't do that. Do not visualize the medal. You want to visualize yourself going on a training run at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday when it's raining and you don't want to go, but you visualize yourself going out the door. You want to visualize yourself. You're right. Having your earbuds run out and it's mile 13 on, um, on a 17 mile training one run. You want to visualize yourself going home early from a party and not drinking as much as you normally do because you got to train in the morning. You got to visualize blisters on your feet because what happens is when you visualize in your mind and you feel it in your body, and here's the most important piece of the feeling in your body, feel proud that you keep running, feel proud that you have blisters on your feet because that infuses it into your nervous system and into your mind even more deeply. You do that kind of mental rehearsing and you'll do the work. When it comes time to get up at six o'clock in the morning and it's raining, the old Mel would be like, I'm not going out, we can do this tomorrow. (laughs) But if you've been mentally preparing, you're like, oh yeah, it's dark and it's raining. This is what we do when we run marathons and off you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's a wonderful way to think about it because typically in our in old school law of attraction or manifestation, uh, it, it seemed very much like, oh, pick this from the catalog of the universe and do this and hocus pocus and bam, there'll be, but they don't talk about the trauma that you experience or the segregation that you feel or knowing, going to the bank and knowing that they're going to decline you alone. And so it doesn't feel like for a lot of people, manifestation can actually happen. And so when we're going into that mindset of looking at that end result or that thing, whatever that may be, it can typically act as a a resistance for us because like you said, like a demotivator, demoralizer, um, where we're not feeling like that's ever something that I could ever get to. So being in the in-between is something super important. I want you guys to really hear that when she says that, uh, in order to get us to a space where we can, when, when the shit gets hard and it hits the fan, we're like, I've been here before. I know what this is and activates in our brain, a pathway. Yes. And, you know, I want to pick up on something that you just said, which is really important. Um, There's really horrible shit that you're going to face in your life, whether it is uh, discrimination, overt, covert, like whatever, or it's poverty or it's violence or it's trauma or, you know, a death in the family or a massive heartbreak or a terrifying diagnosis. This shit is real. And manifesting will not take it away. Manifesting will not remove these very real obstacles. It doesn't change 
the fact that there is awful crap that you're going to face in your life. What manifesting changes is you mm. and your ability to either face those things or move through them and remove them in your own ways as obstacles to what you want in life. You see what I'm saying? Like, yes. you know, you, you have a situation where you go into a bank and you face discrimination, which is not just something you're imagining. It is well-documented that that happens. But if you have been visualizing yourself in that situation and you visualize yourself walking out and going to a different bank or walking out and going to angel investors or walking out and doing something else and doing the work over and over and over to eventually get what you freaking deserved in the first time, by the way, but to get what you want, that's going to build up the internal resilience to keep going instead of having those really offensive, illegal, and awful things that happen to you know, you in your life, stop you and go, oh, there it goes. I told you they're never going to give a loan to somebody like me. Well, that person didn't, but in my visualization, I've already rehearsed this, just like dating. If you're new to being back out there in the dating world, or you haven't met your soulmate yet, you are, it's a numbers game. You're going to have to keep showing up authentically. You're manifesting dates where you go out and you see yourself literally ending it because you know, not for me. So you say, we don't even need to order actually, because I don't want to waste your time. And you lied about your profile picture. And that's just <laughs> not how I roll. Like, and, and being proud of yourself and going up. Oh, you already know that this is my story. <laughs> no, no, I don't know that. <laughs> my listeners already know that I went through a, a horrible dating phase of years and years and years and uh, coming to that space of just starting to accept that instead of uh, falling into a narrative of saying it's because I'm this, or it's because I'm not pretty enough, or it's because I'm, you know, and like essentially explaining that away, you know, like, this is why this always happens to me. This is why this like never will be. And I think a lot of times people have trouble with worthiness. And mm. a lot of times in that worthiness, we don't feel like we're worthy of the thing that we're asking for. And so in order to, for that to be true, when we, circumstances arise that show up in rejection or judgment or discrimination or whatever. It is that tape that plays in the back of our mind that says, see, you didn't deserve that thing. See, you won't ever have that. See, you're not going to have that painting, you know, that kind of thing for sure. Well, let's talk about worthiness because it's super important. Yeah. So I think the majority of people profoundly struggle, struggle with a sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. And it's because you either had caregivers that made you feel unworthy because they basically said stuff to you that was awful or did things to you or abandoned you or whatever left you with the experience of feeling unworthy, or you've had experiences in life that made you feel unworthy. And on top of that, whether it's trauma or discrimination or abandonment or heartbreak or bullying or all of the bullshit that we face in life, on top of that, you get a very clear message when you're little and it just continues in adulthood that when you do things that are worth celebrating, like getting good grades or making the sports team or behaving or uh, making the play or getting into the right school, 
or earning enough money or driving the right call car that when you or your body looking a certain way or your skin tone being a certain color or your hair being like that those things outside of you are what make you worthy of love celebration attention all that stuff what i'm here to say is that you have to locate your sense of self-worth back inside you we got to act like your daughter as adults we need to go back to how we were as a seven-month-old. We did not look for validation or worth or lovability outside of ourselves. Our very existence is what made us worthy, worthy of speaking, worthy of having needs, worthy of deserving love, worthy of laughter. And so if you really want to break this habit, of bashing yourself and of not feeling worthy. You need to build a habit that demonstrates that you do believe that you're worthy of celebration, love and support as you are. And that's why adding a high five in the mirror is unbelievably powerful. Mm -hmm. Because when you stand before yourself and look yourself in the eyes, first of all, just being with yourself and seeing yourself is an act of demonstrating that you believe you're worthy of the gaze. Mm -hmm. Stopping to raise your hand in a universal gesture, the high five, that your brain is already programmed to receive. Your brain already has the programming that says, oh, that's a high five. That means that uh, they believe in me. They're encouraging me. They celebrate me. They see me. You have never high five somebody and thought I hate you. You're not worthy. I hope you lose <laughs> your brain. Neurologically, it's impossible for your brain as you're high-fiving yourself to think something negative. Yes. You may raise your hand and think this is stupid. I can't believe I'm listening to Aaliyah and Mel. Oh my God. <laughs> but as soon as you get close to the high five, your mind goes silent because all the programming that's already in your subconscious mind takes over. Your brain knows a high five. It's like, Oh, I believe in you. I cheer for you. I love you. Now, most people either laugh or they cry when they do it. And the reason why is you laugh because your brain gives you a drip of dopamine. It always does when somebody laughs when I did it. I was like, yeah, okay, hey, <laughs> yeah. that's the dopamine working. And then did you feel like a little jolt of energy in terms of like, you know, it's not like you're going to run a marathon. You're like, all right, I, got I mean, this. I did a little booty dance afterwards. It was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> you know why that, you know why you do that? Because but. your nervous system is encoded with celebratory energy. Mm. And whenever you dance, you raise your hands. When you shout, you know, surprise, you raise your hands. When you wave hello, you raise your hands. When you hug somebody, you raise your hand. When your team scores, you raise your hand. When you high five somebody, you raise your hand. So even just that gesture that your brain knows is positive, your nervous system gets involved and gives you that little like, all right, we got this. Yeah. Just like a team member sends another team member into a game saying, I got you, shake it off. Come on, let's go. We can still win. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Like talk to us about, cause there's a quote you have, the relationship you have with yourself is the foundation of every relationship you have in your life. And that one hit me. And I thought that a hundred percent, I know that, but like, that's something that we need heavy reminding of constantly, because it is also the mirror in which we accept certain behaviors or track certain people. And, you know, that kind of thing. I would love to hear about the study that you did, um, you know, with the MBA and, and 
I'll let you talk about that. Cause it's so important that activation that happens upon the high five, that there's even studies that fortify that. Tons of studies. In fact, chapter two of the high five habit is nothing but research. Cause I know on its face, trying to tell people, I want you to break the habit of criticizing yourself in the mirror every morning and replace it with a high five sounds ludicrous. And so I came full guns blazing with the research here. And I will tell you about the NBA study in a minute, but first I want to explain something. One of the other reasons why high-fiving yourself in the mirror has such a profound transformational impact on the neurological structure of your brain is because your brain is watching. Hmm. And so without saying a word, you are demonstrating with a physical action that you believe in yourself, that you cheer for yourself. And so your brain is like, wait a minute, hold on. Did you see that? She didn't criticize herself this morning. She freaking high five. What? <laughs> oh, hold on. I get the memo. We're now high fiving her. Okay. We don't criticize her. So over time, what happens? Just give it five days, just five lousy days of stopping, put your toothbrush down, look at yourself in the eye. You don't have to think anything. Raise your hand, high five yourself. Five lousy days, something crazy happens. By demonstrating to your own brain, that you believe in yourself and you cheer for yourself and you're going to support yourself, your brain changes how it relates to you hmm. because you're demonstrating that I believe I'm worthy. I believe that I need kindness. I believe that I'm worth encouraging. And here's what's happening. As you start to build this habit of self-acceptance and this habit of self-respect and this habit of self-kindness, and you start every day this way, just like you're going to brush the gunk out of your mouth and start the day with fresh breath, we are going to brush all the generational crap out of your mind, body, and spirit and start the day with this empowered attitude. Because if you go out into the world, having demonstrated that you respect and like yourself, if somebody disrespects you, yeah, it sucks, but it doesn't change the fact that you respect yourself. Hmm. If somebody says, I don't like you anymore, or a friend ghosts you, or you go on some crappy date, just because somebody else doesn't like you, yeah, it might sting a little, but it doesn't change the fact that you like yourself. And the reason why that's true is because every freaking morning you stand with yourself and by high-fiving yourself, you treat yourself with kindness and a sense of worthiness and a sense of celebration. That's why this builds so quickly and why it's so profound because it's working from the inside out using all the programming already in your body of celebratory energy, of dopamine, of belief, cheering, encouragement, empowerment that you've given to everybody else in your life. Now we're just redirecting it back to you. And this NBA study was really interesting. It was done, um, I think it was by the University of Berkeley. There's a fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal that uh, I believe was written in 2011 that picked the study apart because they couldn't believe it. Mm. Basically, researchers at Berkeley wanted to know, were there habits that the winning teams in the NBA had that were present in the preseason that the losing teams in the NBA did not have? And the answer is yes. There are very clear habits and behaviors in the preseason that all the winningest teams in the NBA possess that the losing teams do not. And the habit is very simple. The winning teams have the most number of high fives, fist bumps, and pats on the back. 
And the losing teams have almost none in the preseason. Hmm. And the reason why this is so important is because a high five isn't just a gesture. A high five builds partnership. It says, I see you, I got you, we're in this together. The winning teams were using fist bumps and pats on the back and high fives in the preseason, which solidified trust and partnership with each other, which carried through to the end of the season. Hmm. The teams with the worst records had almost none, no fist bumps, no high fives, every player's in it for themselves, and it showed in how they played. Now, the Wall Street Journal was like, that can't be true. So they looked at all the tapes of the NBA that year, and they were like, "Uh, we did the math. This is accurate. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm here to tell you is you can leverage the same research and join in partnership with yourself every morning and send yourself into the game of life knowing you have your back. You trust yourself. And no matter what asshole does to you out there in the world today, it's not going to change the fact that when you see yourself in the mirror, you see a human being that is worthy, that you like, that you're kind to, and that you're cheering for. And that is the fuel that you need to ride the ups and downs in life. That is the foundational force of treating yourself the way that you felt about yourself when you were born. That is who you are. That's why you miss it. You miss feeling encouraged. You miss feeling validated. That's why you're fucking seeking it in other people. And I'm here to tell you, you can build habits to give yourself the validation and the worth and the love and the kindness that you need. And when you start your day like that, whew, nobody can touch you. Mel, can we just get an amen real fast? <laughs> Let's, you know, I feel like I'm in church here. <laughs> Let's do it. Seriously. Like this is, this is, this is everything. This is everything. This is really big. And I think what's really cool. First of all, have you started your podcast yet? Uh, no, but Not we yet. are going to launch one uh, next year, probably in May. Um, I'm visualizing and manifesting my ass off about that. No, you're going to, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be, if you need any tips, <laughs> I will call you. I, I am. I am going to go on a listening tour and interview everybody about it. I love it. Let's talk about imposter syndrome mm -hmm. because you did um, when, particularly when you were talking about the podcast, the inner voice that shows up to tell you all the reasons why you can't. Um, well, so imposter syndrome is very real. And it is a sense that you don't belong where you are. And therefore you need to pretend that you are someone else. And it's grounded in a lack of self-worth because when you don't believe that you're worthy of, for example, coming up the curve, the learning curve at a new job, so a lot of people feel imposter syndrome when they go to a new job, right? Mm -hmm. um, somebody that's confident that doesn't have imposter syndrome gives themselves the grace of knowing it's going to take 30 to 60 days to get my feet underneath me. And I'm worthy of coming up the curve and learning as I go. If you have imposter syndrome, you believe that you're not worthy of that. And so you pretend like you got it all figured out because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And it's this sense of like, not really being worthy as you are. 
that if somebody finds out you don't know what you're doing, if somebody finds out that you don't have it all together, if somebody finds out that you don't know the answer to that, that it's all going to fall apart. And so it's exhausting because you're managing something that you don't need to manage. And I find that one of the most empowering things you can do with imposter syndrome is a um, simple three-word sentence. You ready? This changed my life. Is when I started saying, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I've never been in this role before, but I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that question before, but I can figure it out. I don't know. I'm the only, uh, this is the first time I've been in uh, a company where I'm the only person of color. So I don't know, you know, like what you're thinking or how that feels to be, you know, to be in an all white space. Like, I don't know. I like when you say, I don't know, isn't it interesting when somebody says, I don't know to you, don't you immediately trust them? Yeah. You just kind of go, oh, oh, well I can relate. <laughs> I yeah, also or relate. nobody lies about not knowing. Yeah. So you immediately demonstrate confidence because if I can admit, I don't know, that means I'm confident. It demonstrates that I'm not concerned about what you think about me. It demonstrates that I'm honest. It demonstrates that I'm, you know, I'm willing to learn. It's so ironic because we all think we got to have all the answers. And the truth is research shows that you build trust and you build connection with people faster when you're honest and vulnerable. And so knowing that you are okay as you are and treating yourself with kindness and knowing that you deserve support and celebration gives you the freedom to be in whatever space and to say, I don't know. And you don't have to pretend that you know, you don't have to pretend that you are somebody that you are not. All of this pretending that you're somebody that you're not is also a form of self-rejection. Learning how to be exactly where you are, exactly where you're not, knowing that you don't have to have all the answers because nobody does, but you can figure things out. That's the secret. Now, Eduardo is a story in the book uh, with uh, a guy that was driving an Uber to earn money and he had a dream of being an actor Uh, that wins an Oscar and goes on to become a director and producer, creating opportunities for black and Latino men in LA. And so I get in the car and I'm on the phone talking with somebody about the talk show. I'm going to hang up. He's like, oh my gosh, it's a sign, a sign from God. You're in my cab. You're supposed to be here. Now he thought it was a sign because he thought I was going to give him the opportunity of a lifetime because I'm in the entertainment business. It was a sign, all right. And the sign that he was getting delivered from the universe is he needed a kick in the ass. Because I said to him, hey, here's the obvious. If um, you dream of winning an Oscar and creating all these opportunities for Black and Latino actors, what the hell are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Why are you not in L.A.? You're 25 years old. The game is not to be here. Uh, You know, in Dallas, the game is for you to be in L.A. Why are you not in L.A.? And Here's what's amazing about life. You can tell within five seconds whether somebody's actually going to achieve their goals or not. Mm. You can. There are two mindsets, everybody. And don't make yourself wrong if you've got the mindset that Eduardo had and the mindset that Mel Robbins had for a very long time, which is this negative 
self-defeating, critical mindset where all you see are the obstacles and problems that are in your way. When you start to focus on all the reasons why you can't or why it's hard or why it's never going to happen, you will only see more reasons why. You need to build, cultivate, and fight for an optimistic mindset that spots possibilities, solutions, and that literally coaxes you, encourages you to keep inching toward what you want. Because when I said, why aren't you in LA? And Eduardo said, well, I only have $700. What's interesting is because he had a self-defeating negative, it's never going to happen. I'm just going to sit here and dream about it mindset. He saw that as an obstacle. I'm like, that's fantastic. That'll easily get you to Los Angeles. Who's, whose couch are you going to sleep on? And so it's easy to be objective when it's not you. Right. And so another quick tool that I'll leave you with is if you do find yourself stuck in this type of negative ruminating obstacle driven thinking, use the power of objectivity. Pick somebody that you admire. It could be the rock. It could be Oprah. It could be, you know, Aaliyah. It could be anybody in your life. And simply if you're stuck, say, what would the rock do? (laughs) And we can give advice all day long. We can visualize somebody else doing it all day long. The second you insert yourself into that narrative, boop, come the obstacles. So use the power of objectivity. The next time you feel yourself getting stuck in your thinking and you're thinking obstacles and you're beating yourself up and you're going down that road, ask yourself, what would the rock or whoever you, you uh, really love do and you will be shocked at how quickly your mind will solve the problem for them. That's beautiful. I love that. I think that it's it's such when we think about our own lives, we're so afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And so afraid of something going wrong. You have this quote that I love and it says a good life is full of bad days. And God, isn't to, that the truth? Oh, to part, partner with that, uh you're not responsible for what happened to you. You survive what happened to you but you have a responsibility to heal yourself and do the work to change so that you can be a happy, fulfilled person. Yeah. If there's one thing that you could do and that I want to leave everybody with is be kinder to yourself. First of all, they did this massive research study about all behavior change and of all behavior change from diet to exercise, to meditating, to you name it the one behavior change that has the greatest impact on your happiness and sense of fulfillment is being kinder to yourself. And I think you gave everybody a masterclass today on in real time doing the hand-to-hand combat with your own mind and your own circumstances in life. When you were presented with the reality of the timing of this recording being off and needing to manage both an interview with somebody like me and being present in the interview and being in the reality of your life of being an entrepreneur, a podcast host, and a mom with a seven-month-old. And I could see you coming back to acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. And I want to add something to it. I'm really proud of you. (laughs) 
I'm proud of you for how you showed up today. I'm proud of you for accepting what God handed to you and showing up and surprising yourself. And it is a gift that you demonstrated to anybody that's watching us and to anybody that listens to this, that knowing how to roll with what life is handing you and still come back to supporting yourself and still come back to optimism and still come back to the impact and the stand that you are in your life, that is a gift. And you just showed us all how to do it in real time. Well, thank you, Mel. <laughs> What's coming up for you? What's coming up for you? It's just, you know, this show is, is my baby. Okay. And then you have my actual baby <laughs> who is obviously more important and uh, knowing coming into this, like I've done a lot of self-work and a lot of areas where I've been like, you know what, like, fuck it, let's, let's do the thing and go after the goal and manifest and to then become a teacher for other people. And I I've held this interview as for me, a sign, like I'm on my way, you know, to get that email in my inbox and go, Mel Robbins wants to be on my show <laughs> was such a huge deal. And then today my, my partner, his work schedule is up. So he wasn't here in time to take care, you know, like all of those things, yeah, of course. And, and I'm going, it's, it's, I am a professional and the day that I need to be the most professional is the day everything falls apart, you know, and falls together. Cause in my head, I'm going, you know what? Well, Mel's going to remember this interview. <laughs> Well, so will everybody else. And the other thing I want you to know is the reason why you are drawn to me as a light on the path that you're walking down is the authenticity, mm. the realness. I'm not trying to be an expert. I'm just sharing the shit that's going on in my life. And maybe you can blame it on me, but you know, my style of learning and growing and leveling up always requires me to either run face first into a wall or fall into a hole or um, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a level up moment for you, that maybe it's not about the professionalism. Maybe it's about finding more moments of that realness, because that is where you're going to demonstrate transformation versus talking about it. Damn. Okay, Mel, I see you. <laughs> I see you too. I see you too. And I love you. I got to high five you. Five. I'm proud of you. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Just find me online. That's it. <laughs> Mel, Mel Robbins. Easy to find. Definitely. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, there's tons of free stuff. We put out uh, tons that we put out almost seven videos a week. We've got all kinds of free templates and stuff on the, the webpage. I mean, certainly if you want to buy the high five, habit book, fantastic. But I want you to know that there are all kinds of tools. So please just come join us online. And I hope that what we uh, are putting out helps. So I really uh, am honored to be here. You are the spiritual shit. Baby. <laughs> you keep on going. And uh, based on what I witnessed today, nothing is going to stop you. 
Thank you so much, Mel. Thank you for being on the show. And guys, if you like this episode, please share it with someone you love and we will see you in the next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.